Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. You know, a lot of guys in the NFL get accused of ring chasing when they sign with a contender or they get released in the regular season and they wait patiently to see how things play out. Can't top Zach Ertz. We've been talking about him for seems like a month now, whether or not the Chiefs should be interested, what contender he'd go to. Dude waited till the championship games were set, and Zach Ertz has decided to sign with the Detroit Lions in hopes of uh, being active and being available on Sunday for the Lions in the game against the 49ers. Hey, you know what? Whatever. If you're the Lions, why not? All in. NFC Championship game. You're Zach Ertz. You, you, I mean, you, unless you waited until the Super Bowl, this is... That's as good as you can get as far as ring chasing. Credit Zach Ertz. <laughs> How long are you going to wait? I'll wait until the championship games are set. Then I'll make my decision. You got a one in four chance, bro. Yeah. So We'll see if Zach Ertz makes any kind of impact for the Detroit Lions on Sunday. All right, so uh, you mentioned that Kansas got the win last night on Big Monday over Cincinnati. It was uh, going to be a five-point game, 74-69. to 69. Jake, uh, let's play uh, Bill Self. He was on with Scott Van Pelt on ESPN after Kansas gets the win over Cincy. Uh, Jay Billis during this game called it a grinder, and I think that's really good. You could say it about your league. It's been the best league in America, and that's before you added these teams to the American, and every one of them's good. What does this league ask of you, ask of you night after night? Uh, well, it, it, it's a grind. Uh, you know, we've uh, we've dropped a couple against teams that played terrific in the nights we played on. I mean, Syracuse and Central Florida were terrific, and and we're getting into the teeth of our schedule now. And you know, you can't afford to give away any at home. And Cincinnati is good, and, and they're long and athletic. And we had to play out of foul trouble a little bit with Hunt, but but uh, some guys came through. Johnny was great, but uh, it's going to be like this every night. I mean, uh, our team's going to need four or five starters uh, uh, each and every night to play well to give us the best chance. Between now and March, uh, I, I think you can see that you're trying to figure out how all these pieces fit together. Johnny, you mentioned great tonight. Where, what do you what do you want to see between now and March to become what people, including everybody there in Lawrence, believe y'all can be? Well, you know, once you get into uh, into March, you know, uh, half times are longer, timeouts are longer, depth is important more because of uh, you know foul problems or injuries. So uh, I'm okay with where we're at. Uh, we okay. need we need uh, all five starters to play well. El Marco's doing a good job off the bench for us right now. Nick Nick uh, uh, and Parker's had good games. Uh, I thought Parker was good tonight, but we, we're we're going to need to be able to substitute and not lose not lose anything when we do that for two or three minutes at a time. You know who would be great if you could sub him in, Bill? Is a guy you had back in the day named JoJo. Did you hear what MB did tonight? Uh, I saw he had like uh, 26 in the at halftime or something like that. What did he 70. end up with? 70. He scored 70, oh, Bill. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he learned. 
Hey, hey, guys, he learned everything in the eight months he was here in Lawrence, Kansas. Everything. You, huh? you had him in that advanced level basketball, right? You, you got him, you got him uh, sorted out, right? I mean, I, I'm just curious, real, because we're obviously going to show his highlight. I want you to know how much we appreciate you, because anybody else, we'd have bumped him for the 70-point night. But, I mean. Not you, Coach. Not you. We knew he was good. All right. All right. When did you know that this kind of ceiling existed for that young man? The first time I saw him practice at his high school, he got into it with some kid, and he started chasing him around the gym. And I saw how <laughs> athletic he was chasing a little 5'10 guy. I told Norm, I said, he's going to be the yeah. number one pick in the draft. And uh, he wasn't. He was third. But, but uh, yeah, he, he, he's a different talent. Good stuff from Bill Self with Scott Van Pelt. So, you know, when he when, when MB got to KU, he was only there for those eight months. As Self said, he was not – I don't know if he was a top 50-ranked uh, recruit. He was supposed to be good, but he was supposed to be a project that was going to take a while. And, like, halfway through that freshman year, he had a game at Iowa State where he went off. And I remember we uh, – I have a tendency to make some silly, brash predictions that end up uh, no. not panning out. No, not you. But I did say at that time, if, if Joel Embiid can stay healthy, he's going to be an NBA Hall of Famer, and uh, I think that I, I think that's looking all right. But uh, that one, that brash prediction, actually was not that. Um, I don't know what the word is. I, I can't really take credit for it because the reason I said that was because Bill Self told me that at a practice earlier that year. We were. I got to do a KU game on TV, so I got to go to practice, and I was asking him about a couple of players, and he just kind of interrupted me because it was just me and him talking, and he goes, that dude right there, he's good enough to be an NBA Hall of Famer. Welcome back to Name Dropping with Nate Bucati. Might want to pick that one up. That's a pretty big name. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that's Bill Self. Like, he, he saw it. He was like, that guy? Like he's got Hakeem Olajuwon ability. That's that's how he described him. If he puts it all together, and looks like uh, MB is doing, that. I don't know if he needs to win a title, doesn't he? I mean, I guess you can make the Hall of Fame without winning a title, but he he needs some postseason success. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that played in the Michael Jordan era that didn't get titles that ended up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, great players. All right, so Kansas wins. Uh, you heard it right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Let's move on back to Andy Reid, Jake, if you please. We still have a couple of clips from Big Red from his Zoom conference yesterday as he spoke to the media. Nothing today. We're, did the schedule come out yet, or did I miss it? As soon as we get the schedule out, Nate and I are going to be out uh, with locker room duty on Wednesday and Thursday. They told me I'm in charge of uh, seeking out Willie Gay for comment. Yeah. Leave him in his neck alone. Go up to him and offer a, a neck rub. Get him right. Should I say something like, Willie, would I be really sticking my neck out to say this is yeah. a no, just tough go, game for you guys? Just go up to him with your, with your, with your regular question. Uh, what impresses you about the Baltimore Ravens offense? <laughs> Have him give the standard answer, and we'll go from there. You son of a... Let's listen to uh, Andy Reid. <sighs> Let me tell you. This is, he's he's going to talk about McCall Hartman here. I, I'm still embarrassed about my conduct at my dad's house on Sunday. I was so... 
I was so mad. <laughs> I've got, you know what, I'll be honest. It's, so, it's okay, man. I've gotten so much better over the years. It's okay. But I I was so, look, I, I can't be the only one. No. That people across Kansas City. I was so effing mad when Hardman fumbled at the goal line. Don't feel bad. You were not alone. Because I was. I you went, were not alone. I, went, I was, okay, so that bizarre fake punt. But of all people, Demar Hamlin, who just he never handles a football. It just it was it was so bizarre. And I and I, again I get it. She's had ten players in the field, but it just it wasn't. It didn't look. It wasn't well executed. It just it was bizarre. And I don't. Mm-hmm. I still wouldn't have taken the chance. Right. Because what's the benefit if they right. did get that? You, just, you hold on to the ball. Just uh, and then it, they go three and out on the next possession. It just it's like that's the worst place to like the. The, the risk was not worth the reward at that point. No. You know? And so I, I just I couldn't believe they did it. I couldn't wrap my – and I, I'm like, I, I can't like believe it. I Here's can't believe gift. it. Here's a gift. I can't believe it. Thank you. You know? It's almost like that, that – remember the, the fake – the Texans ran when Sorensen stopped it? Mm-hmm. Like what? Are you, oh yeah, and it was like oh, you know, yeah. there's like things that had to happen in rapid succession to get the Chiefs back in the game. Like that was one of them. Like what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like I don't get. Like what are you doing? And I was like, what are you doing? I'm telling my dad like that's that's the kind of thing because it was. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. You start too. talking about McCall Hardman and who appears? Mark Borichter. <laughs> He just uh, appears, like, you know. He's like yeah. hiding out in the closet like waiting for us to start is, talking about McCole. Right. But, and I, I, I will say this, because I don't, I don't like the way I, I, I described it yesterday. My dad is just, he, he wasn't a huge sports fan when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. He would, he, I'll take, he loved, love, 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 love boxing. Right. And he got me involved in boxing and watching boxing from the time I was able to watch sports, right? He loved the Royals. He loved playing softball. He loved uh, taking me to pro wrestling, to the wrestling matches on Thursday nights at Memorial Hall. His football wasn't his thing, you know? But he sees how much his wife loves it, how much I love it, how much his grandkids love it. And it, it's that's one of the cool things about Mahomes and about Andy Reid and about these Chiefs, that they take the casual fan or, or someone that really hasn't loved football and they just make you love it. You know, it's infectious. Mm-hmm. It's like a disease we all want to catch. Sorry, Jake. And so he, what is kind of cool is he'll sit there with me. Like we separated ourselves and the rest of the family was downstairs. So me and my dad were upstairs because of my cursing. And he, you know, but he would, he, he'll ask me some different questions about stuff, and I'll tell him. And so he, he actually is interested. And I, I get a kick out of that because he always hasn't been. And so that fake punt happens. And I look around and said, that's the kind of thing that'll get a that'll get him fired. I mean, he, there, there, his seat's going to get turned up a little bit anyway if they lose. But that's the kind of thing that'll get this will. Mm-hmm. That's like the, the the if they end up losing this game, Dad, because of this, if the Chiefs score a touchdown right here and then it's over, that'll I mean, 
sports talk in Buffalo, right? They'll be blowing him up. Imagine if mm-hmm. if the Chiefs would have scored and then that would have been it, and then Buffalo never got within you know one score again. They'd have been lighting Sean McDermott up oh, from yeah. that point on, right? Yeah, he got saved. Even though they lost, he got saved because they didn't score in that sequence because of the fumble. Because of the fumble. But I don't care. I don't want to look past how stupid of a decision that was. I couldn't believe it. Well, I was. I couldn't believe it. And it's one of those things too. It's not enough. It's not enough that there was ten guys on the field. You have to have a fake punt that you believe that's gonna work, that you're gonna believe in. There was, there, what, what, what was that? Yeah, it, what it was. It didn't that? look like it had a prayer. No, I was. Talking, so I was. My conversation was with my son. Who I'm trying to, you know, like, hey man, let's watch these games together. He got Madden for Christmas, and we've been playing Madden a little bit together. And I pretty much trounce him every time, and a lot of it is because he goes for it on fourth down like every time, you know. And then if he do, even if he lines up for a punt, he tries to fake. I wouldn't. Punt I wouldn't play with him. I've had I've had friends like that over the years, and that's developed into that's turned into fist you know fights. Who that guy is. This guy yeah, right and I won't play with you. And I told him, I'm like, that's why I'm killing yeah. you. You, you. You see how it never works? No, I said the friend needs to go for it on fourth and 34. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. stupid. Yeah. We're not playing it. You're an idiot. That's one thing. It's fourth, fourth and, and one, whatever. But uh, yeah, fourth Be and realistic. Long. Yeah. And it never works. And so I, I was telling Ben, as soon as that play happened, I said, see, this is what happens to you when you go for it on fourth and eight or you try to fake punt it on fourth and eight. <laughs> like, you better know what you're doing, man. And I was having this conversation, right? And then the next play was the Pacheco run. And Jake Sachs said, I love Isaiah Pacheco. We all do. Yeah. And just that run was so, you know, did he step out of bounds? No, he didn't. Look at that. Oh, look at that body control. I love him. <laughs> You know, even my dad's like, you know, I like the way he runs. You know, he's pissed off. That's right. right he's pissed yeah. off. And then we're, we're just going. And then, and then the next thing you know, it's the McCall Hardman. And I'm just, I, I'm not, I'm just not excited when they do that. I've seen enough of these gadget plays. I just, I, 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 I you know, Pacheco just ran you down there. He got nicked up, whatever. He needed a, a break. Put Clyde in. Hand off Clyde. Next play. I'm good with that. Clyde's been good, mm-hmm. right? Whatever. And you see, you see Hardman, and then I, I saw the football scored out, and I'm like, and I dropped a big, I just, I dropped a big MF bomb, and my dad, why? What happened? What happened? I said, I, I, he fumbled. Will they get it right? I said, no, they, boy, they will not get it right there. What do you mean? I said, if they, if they, they fumbled out of the end zone, they they lose the football. You know, what? And my dad was hot at this rule. What are we talking about? And then it went in the 15 minutes of me trying to explain this rule to him. Right? It, it's, it's hard to explain it to a, a reasonable football. I'm trying to explain you know, What are you talking about? And I'm, I'm, I'm F this, F that. I was so effing mad. It took me like 15 minutes to get over that. Because I'm thinking that's going to cost them the game. At the time, I'm thinking that's going to. They had it. They were going to be up. They're up ten points. They should be up ten points, and this game is over. Because Buffalo's not stopping the Chiefs' offense except for that. Oh, I was so pissed. And then they got through it. And then the next thing, of course, it made me pissed. Even though he had a great game, and by the way, did you see 
who the highest-rated defender was at the divisional weekend of all teams from Pro Football Focus. Whatever you think of Pro Football Focus, I know it's not perfect. I just it's it, it's worth noting. Did you see that? No. Shamari Connor. I mean, I, was the highest-rated defender according to Pro Football Focus. Not to toot my own horn. Teams I guess the they don't rank the part not where to, you don't wait, 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 the wait, wait, wait. Not to toot my, not own, to toot horn. my own horn, but let me toot my own horn. <laughs> <laughs> but let me let me lick my lips here. Oh. Bill Self told me Shamari yeah. Connor was great. Do you remember <laughs> me walking in the studio with you and Stan, and I and I, and I said, you know who I really who has been really impressive to me so far lately, mm-hmm. and I said Shamari Connor. Yeah, you did. Uh, this kid's a stud. I mean, what a he great did. pick. Yeah, and, I, and what's cool also, you know, we talk about how how we watch these games with our family, is, you know, Selena wanted to go to the NFL draft so bad, so that day we went, and I said, we're going to sit and watch the Chiefs make one pick. And we sat in the crowd, and that's when they traded up for Shamari Connor. I said, all right, that's our player, Shamari Connor. We watched him get drafted. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll you know, forever we'll keep, we'll keep track of him. And so every time he makes a player does something, that's the guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so yes, and I it was, but I but I overreacted, you know. But but in the moment, what a what a what a god awful play! As much as I don't agree with that rule, and I think it should be adjusted, and, and Jeremy Fowler indicates it's it's there's a good chance it will be in the off season. But I just couldn't believe it. I'm like. God, why do they? Why did just? Why do you got to get cute around the ends? Why? 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 But I'm sure the rest of Kansas City was pissed off too, dude. I was. I remember just kind of yelling out of my house. This wide receiver crew will screw the Chiefs over. They just will do it. It doesn't matter if if it's if it's Kadarius Tony out no. there. It doesn't matter now. Hey, but MVS went out and made some big plays. Yeah, he did. You know, but boy, I was like, they are going to shoot themselves in the foot at that right. position some way or another. So Andy Reid was asked about coaching points, about when to reach out for the goal line. Because that, I mean, like Chase Daniel said yesterday, I mean, in high school you're taught that. If it's fourth down, yeah, because you got to, you know, it's fourth down. So it's first down, No. No. No, no, no. Matumbo. No, 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 no. Here's Andy Reid talking about uh, reaching out for the goal line. Yeah, I'm not real big on reaching out because I've been involved with too many of those things where they <clears throat> the ball gets knocked out. So um, score, but keep control of the football. And, you know, we, and, and he knows that. Listen, that play right there, sir, and he's scored a number of touchdowns on. So... Um, it's not his first rodeo there uh, with that play, and he's had so much success with it. Let's go next to Nick Jacobs. Go ahead, Nick. Going back to training camp and you guys going together and building that bond, how much of that do you feel like kind of helped yesterday going into an environment like that against Buffalo where you got so many people against you? <laughs> yeah, Nick, that, that's a – it's really a great environment uh, for the NFL and for their city. I mean uh, – but you're you're playing, you're not playing against the crowd, but they're they're involved. They're right on top of you there, probably very much like somebody coming into Arrowhead. So, um, you know, it's. Uh, it, but I would tell you that, um, yes, I, I I believe I believe in that. That you, you go away to training camp, 
you can't be on the cell phone all day and you're around the guys all day. So uh, guys talk, <clears throat> whether it's at dinner time or, or wherever, they, they talk. And um, they're living in the same dorm and, and so on. So uh, there's a bond that does get started there. It's just how you uh, grow it from that point. And, and this group, I, I felt that in our game, that they, they've really done a nice job of, of growing together and supporting each other. I want one more uh, note that I want to make before we break and talk to Joe Valeria. I am, God, I'm sick and tired of people complaining about Jason Kelsey and complaining about people being happy. <laughs> How, how how effing miserable do you have to be? I mean, like, do do we get this? Like, do, do, do we get the same thing during the Detroit game where they showed Eminem fifteen times? So what? I liked it. I guess what? I kind of want to see Eminem's reaction to that big touchdown. Heck well, yeah, I wonder what Eminem's thinking. He's just sitting there, but I like it. You know, do 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 these same people get mad when you get about thirty shots of Jerry Jones during the Cowboys game? Let's check into the owner's box where it appears Jerry Jones is eating some prime rib. <laughs> he's, just, he's just sitting there eating. There was a shot of him just eating in the last game. eating. Thinking about glory oh, holes. What that for? Yeah, thinking about glory holes. Do you have that clip? You haven't played that clip. Does he, That's a does Marco he know about clip. That clip. Do you know about that? What about Jerry Jones eloquently, by the way, <laughs> described what it's like to win a championship. Mm-hmm. You better get on the phone with, with your predecessor and find out, because I've been that that clip is on the radio. Sorely missed. He, he went on the radio at the Texas Rangers World Series parade <laughs> and tried to elaborate and explain to people what it's like to win a championship. Okay, Jake, Mister Know It All. But I mean, like, how many times is Jerry Jones? Yeah. Oh, oh, Carol, this is taken away from football. Oh. Now, so what? Yeah. And guess what? I kind of like when the Cowboys are losing. I want to see Jerry Jones. <laughs> Show him. Uh, but it is the absolute glory hole. Right. Yeah. You can get the longer clip, but that's what he's. That's what he compares that's... winning a championship. Jake, would you agree with that? No comment. Would you agree with that? <laughs> winning a championship. <laughs> Will not indict myself. But did I just? I'm just. You know, these people just can't wait to. Oh, I can't. I can't stand seeing someone happy for six seconds. I mean, I, I have won championships. I mean, good God. So anyway, this I love this. Clarence Hill. He's miserable. He covers the Cowboys. Why wouldn't he? He's miserable. <laughs> he tweeted out a picture of Cow. So he puts a picture. It's a nice picture. Cowboys corner Trayvon Diggs was in Buffalo rooting for his brother, too. But he kept his clothes on. Congratulations. And so <laughs> some guy named JC, this thing's got 50,000 likes. This is some guy retweeted. He goes, F was he going to do? Take off his shirt every time his brother dropped a pass? <laughs> Perfect tweet. Perfect tweet. Like. <laughs> Retweet, <laughs> boost post. I love that. It's great. It's great. <laughs> F was he gonna do? Take off his shirt every time his brother dropped a pass. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, he kept his clothes on. Well, good for him. Oh. Congratulations. Sorry for partying. Yeah. Sorry for being happy. We'll take a break. Back oh, after man. this on WHB. <laughs> Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It's Tuesday, January 23rd, 
2024 still slick out there, so be careful while you're driving, please. Thank you. Give yourself some extra time to get there wherever there is. Right now, let's talk to Joe Valerio, former Chiefs offensive lineman. What's up, Joe? How you doing? Hey, Stephen. How are you, buddy? Good to be back. I see, I see you got the band back together. That's right. Playoffs here, which is good. Yeah, we'll good. break up soon enough. Hey, uh, <laughs> Joe, did it feel good to see the Chiefs all these years later gain revenge for the uh, 90s Chiefs and go to Buffalo and get a big playoff win? It really did. I got to be honest. I can't. I can't sugarcoat it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people saw the images, right, of that game. You know, Joe Montana on the ground, players, you know, rallying around him when he he got knocked out of the game, and thinking about how close we were to the Super Bowl at that point, going into that game, and the magical run that we were on that that Bills team put a stop to. So yeah, I mean, even you know, thirty plus years later. You know, actually, well, actually, technically, I guess it was really 30 years because it was the 2000. It was the 1993 season played in 19, 1994, right? The, the calendar year. Right. So it technically was 30 years later. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was really even 30 years later. It was it was really nice to see. And that was. Those are look. They're both great Buffalo teams. So you know that rivalry was just as good back then from the quality of the rivalry and the quality of the players. I mean, they're great guys, man. You know, and, and, and in hindsight, when you look back on that 90s, you know, run that, that the Bills went on, those four Super Bowls, they were good guys, man. Cornelius Bennett, Bruce Smith, Thurman Thomas, you know, Jim Kelly, Andre Reed, you know, they were Phil Hansen. Like, God, I could just go on and on and on about the offensive line, Ken Hall, Glenn Parker, they were just—they were really good guys, you know. And I think, I think, I think people feel the same way about this Buffalo team. So, all in all, though, long answer, short question: Yes, it felt great. It felt great to see the Chiefs come out of there on a road win in Buffalo in the playoffs. I thought the offensive line play was terrific from the Kansas City Chiefs, and even after yeah. Joe Tooney left, I thought Nick Allegretti played very uh, well. We've talked about what what. Uh, uh, what a luxury it is to have a guy like that with starting experience that's versatile, that can come in and play at such a high level like Nick Allegretti. But just overall, uh, what are your thoughts on what you saw from that offensive line against Buffalo on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, they're going to, well, you know, not to jump ahead, but they're going to have their work cut out for them against this Ravens team who led the league in sacks, um, you know, uh, in 2023 regular season. So they're going to have their you know their uh, their work cut out for them. This is this is a a defensive team that you know throughout the the, the playoffs and and the, the postseason at least they've you know they've let out, let up the least amount of yards right. And that's what you really want to count against right. You want to you want to look at the postseason right. How how is the team doing in the postseason? And they're they're a staunch defense. So yeah, I was really proud of them. I, I think it gives them great momentum. Um, you know Nick being able to step in there. I was tweeting back and forth with Jeff Fadoten during the game when I saw that. Joe Tooney was going to be out and that Nick was going to be jumping in. And, you know, a guy like Nick Allegretti, as much as, you know, you miss a, a veteran starter and a leader like Joe Tooney, like Nick just stepped right in and, and did his thing and actually had some fantastic blocks. I know he had that great great one on the on the, the game-clinching run. Um, he had a couple, the first series that he came in after Joe went out, he had some really tremendous blocks. So, yeah, he it is a luxury to have a guy like that who's got 
Super Bowl DNA. You know, he, he he's played in big games. You know, he I, I was just, I just the only thing I was sad about is that you know it takes him out of being tackle eligible, right, and seeing another seventy three Italian kid score a touchdown when he's actually playing guard. But hey, I'm happy to see him in there. Uh, happened to see them in there playing and getting regular snaps. So, yeah, so I, I thought they played great. I thought the tackles were, were great. You know, obviously doing their best to limit the penalties um, that has seemed to plague the, on, the, on the bookends there. And uh, I just think it all came together. And one of the things I, I told Jeff Bedoz on our podcast last week, I said, look, going into the game, I'm going to be honest, the Bills were hotter going into the game. They were. They were hotter. They were hotter than the Chiefs, right? When you look at, at, the, at the, the run they went on, through the 7-1 and one run the last half of the season, new offensive coordinator, they were pulling things together. And, and just being honest and objective, they were hotter than the Chiefs. But, but what I had told Jeff, the big but, was that the Chiefs' hotness at its maximum is hotter than the Bills' hotness at its maximum. And that's what the Chiefs needed to do. They needed to raise their hotness game, and they needed to get hot at the right time. And that's what they did in this game, I thought. I thought, and, and that's the momentum they need to keep going with. I think they, what I, what I told Jeff on our pod is they leapfrogged the Bills' hotness last week. One of the things I've, I've seen um, Dan Orlovsky talking a lot about uh, last week and then coming into the game and then afterwards was the Chiefs' usage of 13 personnel, uh, three tight ends, using two tight ends multiple times. And he feels like the, the, the more they've used that setup as the season gone on, it's helped them protect the tackles, uh, but also both Noah Gray and, of course, Kelsey are targets that he feels comfortable throwing to. Um, are you seeing that? How important is that their usage of multiple tight end sets more often as the season's gone on? Well, you know, look, I, I, give, I give the Chiefs credit. I give Matt Nagy and Andy – I give Andy Reid and Matt Nagy a lot of credit in that, you know, they we know we needed to do something different, right, with, this, with, the, with the receiving core, right? Like they just know – they knew they needed to – take advantage of the personnel that we do have, right, with Kadarius out, uh, Sky Moore out, right, like, you know, the, the lack of production that we were getting out of the receiving core, um, you know, the ability to, to make Rasheed Rice the number one guy and to have him, you know, um, you know, be the one that would take all the pressure off of Travis. I just give them a lot of credit for trying something different, new. Not that it's different. You know, everybody's got a 13 package and a, and a double tight end package in their system. But I just like that they're looking at new ways to expose defenses and to keep them guessing, right? Because that's what the defense coordinators, right? They're always, they want you to do the same thing. They want to get into some kind of a rhythm. They want the statistics and the data to show what defenses they should play and who should cover whom. And the Chiefs, are saying, you know what, we're going to keep evolving. And that's, you've got to love that about this team, right? Given given the struggles that they had, just being honest, right? I mean, you know, great group of guys, this, this wide receiving core, but come on, let's admit, they, we've had the struggles with the drops. And and I think, you know, when you look at the evolution of the tight end position and you get guys like Noah Gray and Blake Bell and, well, of course, Travis Kelsey, he goes un, unsaid, the, the evolution of those guys, you know, they're like big receivers. So it's not like you're – it's not like you're losing a lot when they're in there, like from a speed perspective or, or ability to run routes. I mean, these guys are, you know, it's a different breed, right? The, the tight ends of today, uh, when you look at the Travises and the George Kittles and, and some of these guys that are out there, um, you know, it's, you're not missing a step. So, again, long answer, short question. I give the Chiefs a lot of credit for evolving their offense to, to meet the needs 
of the playbook to meet the needs of the players and to uh, disrupt what defensive coordinators need to do because who knows what they might see, who, what the Ravens might see, right? And, and they might see us go back out to spread formations and put Travis out on the slot. But all in all, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that, especially if they want to protect Patrick with this uh, vaunted uh, defensive pass rush of the Ravens. They, they might need to stay in that, and maybe it was a, a, a sign of things to come for this Ravens game, that they, they wanted to get this 13 personnel up and running so that they could use it against Baltimore and be adept at it and be practiced at it in game situations. Joe Valerio is our guest. All right, Joe, the Ravens, the offense, Lamar Jackson, he's going to win MVP this year. And, look, Josh Allen – is is the best I think runner at quarterback, except for Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen is 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 bigger. He's a hoss, but Lamar Jackson's faster. I mean, he he, McGargan, he's the fastest player on the field whenever he plays. Uh, he had a hundred yeah. yards uh, in the game against the Texans, uh, and so I think it, it does help that the Chiefs just faced Josh Allen, and so it's not like they're going from facing a statue to Lamar Jackson, but. What, what, what can they do? Willie Gay Jr. is questionable. Hopefully he's going to be back. Hopefully Mike Edwards will be back. Shamari Connor played very well in his absence. But this Chiefs defense is one of the best in the NFL. But they have not faced the Ravens this year or Lamar Jackson. Tell me what are some of the important things that they need to accomplish to slow this offense down and win this game. Yeah, well, first first thing with a quarterback who's elusive in the pocket and that can run um, – you know, like a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson is my, my biggest thing is, and I and I watched the Chiefs do it this week, and I, every every single play in every series they progressed to a more disciplined pass rush, and, and I hope that that fans saw that. Like I hope they saw the way that they were rushing Josh Allen. They weren't sacking Josh Josh Allen. Like they weren't getting to him. You don't want to do that with Josh Allen. You want to make him make mistakes. Right, you want to keep him in the pocket, right? And and I call you could. There's a lot of different terms that people throw around there. I call, I call it a mush rush, right? Where you have a disciplined pass rush up the middle, where you are almost, for lack of better terms, you're spying the the quarterback with your two defensive tackles in their rush. Now, do we want to get pressure in them? Of course, you want to push the pocket backwards. But at the same time, you don't want to have that undisciplined, you know, here's my math term again that I use, parabola, right, semicircle, half of an oval. You don't want that traditional pass rush to go around the quarterback without having the discipline in the middle because what does Josh Allen do? He finds the seam. What will Lamar Jackson do? He finds the seam. What does Patrick do? He steps up. He finds the pocket within the pocket. They've got to be disciplined in their pass rush, and it could be a mixture of, a disciplined pass rush from the tackles of bull rushing the guards and center back into the quarterback's face, but while maintaining the edge and not letting the edge get too high. Because if the edge gets too high, you see what happens. Guys like Lamar Jackson, especially if you're in man coverage, forget it. He'll kill you, right? That's when you need – if you're going to run that kind of rush, then you're going to need a spy, right? You're going to need somebody like a Willie Gay – to have in the, in the, at you know three four five yards back spying him that when the rush collapses around the quarterback and he finds that seam you got somebody spying him if you're going to stay in man so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how the Chiefs can do that so I think that is a key to the game is keeping Jackson 
in the pocket, let him make mistakes. Now, the one thing about Lamar Jackson is he has evolved, and you look at what he's done this year. He's becoming a better quarterback, and and I think that's something that the, the Chiefs have to respect. He he has definitely evolved into a better thrower um, and a more traditional you know quarterback. He's not just a he's not just a running back who plays quarterback anymore. He he's you know he's developing that. So. I think you know. I know that was a big, a big analysis, but I think that's what they need to do. That's what they did against Josh Allen. I always go back to you know Tom Brady. That's how the Eagles uh, beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl uh, years ago uh, with Doug Peterson. They they mush rushed him and they just got in his face, didn't allow him to step up in the pocket. And I think they need to do the same thing to stop Lamar Jackson's feet. What's the score going to be, Joe? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not being a homer. I really am not. I, I, I do. I believe in this team. I believe the Chiefs team is peaking right now, and I'm hoping that they keep that, that they continue that momentum that I talked about the the leapfrogging of hotness. That the Baltimore Ravens are a hot team right now, but I think the Chiefs have a lot going for them from a, a, a championship DNA perspective, and that means something. And I think there's going to be it's going, there's going to be scoring, and I think the Chiefs are going to win this game 28. To 21. You're the man, Joe Valerio. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Have a good one. Enjoy the game. That's right. That's uh, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio. We'll be right back into this on WHB. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Coming up, we've got Mark Richter in studio, then Jeff Chidea in studio. It's very interesting. Much like the movie Sandman, if you say McCall Harmon's name three times in the mirror, Mark Richter appears, and that's what happened earlier today. And so, uh, Mark, any comments on that uh, McCall Harmon, either fumble, but especially the one that uh, went in and out of the end zone. Any comments on that play? Can't do it. Should that rule be changed? Can't do it. Uh, I don't mind the rule. Because I think if you change it, you're going to start getting guys just all the time reaching over the end zone. Right? With no penalty type of thing. I will listen to a rule change with it if you – I've heard this floated out there. Give the ball to the offense back at the 20-yard line. Yeah. Right? Um, I say maybe move it back to the 30 and give it, you know, on whatever down it's supposed to be. Um, you know, so you're not restarting the downs or anything. Or back to the original line of scrimmage, whichever's worse. So let's say let's say you got the ball at the 50-yard line. You throw a pass to a guy, right? He runs down to the end zone, you know, reaches over the goal line as the guy's coming to tackle him, but he fumbles it through the end zone. It goes back to the original line of scrimmage, whichever's worse, you know. I'll listen to that. Or, but you can't do it. Or the other thing you could do is just change can't do it. all the fumble stuff in the NFL to like they do in the CFL, so it's whoever touches the ball last, if it goes out of bounds, it's their possession. Mm. That's mm. how that goes, too. So, but that really doesn't help the end zone situation. But We've got Mark Bowrichter in for the next hour. We'll be back after this on WHB.